The psalmist said it well. I waited patiently on the Lord, and he inclined unto me. That means he leaned my direction. Because I couldn't get to where he was, he leaned to me. He inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. It's one thing to cry out to a statue. It's one thing to cry out to an animal, these false gods that man has created. It's one thing to cry out to a piece of gold or a piece of silver. But it's a whole other thing to cry out to one who can hear your prayer. I'm glad I have a God who hears and answers prayer. He hears my cry. He said, oh, he heard my cry, and he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay. Miry means slippery, sliding. I, I tried to get my foot in. I tried to fix my way. I tried to straighten out my life. But without God, you can't do it. But he came to where I was, and somebody say amen. That'll preach right there, amen. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good? All the time. I, I'm going to appeal. I'm going to appeal and try my best to convince you of something that I was told when I was a kid that at the time that I was told this, I didn't believe a word of it. <clears throat> so I'm going to try to convince you of the same thing today. How many of y'all have ever heard the phrase, in the midst of getting a whooping? <clears throat> this is, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Now, how many of y'all didn't believe that when you heard that? How many of y'all ever heard when you was getting that whooping uh, that, 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 listen, you, you're not going to appreciate this now? <laughs> now, later on, you're going to appreciate what you're receiving. It's kind of like, it's kind of like them two men that were strolling across the pasture and here come a raging bull. And they cut out of running, but they found out they're not going to get to the gate in time. Somebody say amen. One of them looked at the other and said, son, we need to pray. We need to pray. He said, the only thing I remember is the blessing. He said, well, pray that. He said, all right. He said, dear heavenly father, please make us truly thankful for what we're about to receive. I don't think he got it, amen. I don't. How many of you, how many of you here? Now, this is kind of hard to deal with this type of subject because we're all not aware of what I'm talking about. But how many of you here grew up when they were still whooping children? How many of y'all grew up before timeout? Timeout. Isn't that funny? Timeout. Only timeout I knew is when mom was whooping me and she got tired, so she called timeout and dad started whooping me. No, I, I grew up. I grew up where they believed the Bible. Amen. You know, the Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. If there was anything my father didn't want, it was me to be foolish, and he knew that verse. Say amen. But he'd tell me, "Son, I'm doing this because I love you." You don't understand that, and you can't figure that out. But I promise you, I, I'm doing this because I love you. Man, I couldn't figure it out. How could you love me and you hurt me? Come on. You know, God, he said the same thing. Last week in Psalm 107, we learned that God is good. God is good. And, and, and we said in the first few verses that God is good in our salvation. Now, it's real easy to stand up and shout about salvation. It's real easy to stand up and shout about how good God is when we remember where we were. When we remember what he did for us and how he came and he delivered us and he saved us and he came looking for me when I wasn't looking for him. It's easy to say God is good and shout amen when we can remember that he has sent the Holy Spirit to lead us from a place of no habitation to a place of habitation and rest and blessing and provision. Somebody say amen. It's a whole other thing to say God is good when he's got to whoop us. You see, God is good in our salvation, but today we're going to learn that God's even good in our sin. In our sin. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Let's, 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 we're going to read verse 1 to set it up, and then we're going to skip down to, skip down to verse number 10. All right, let's read verse 1, and then we'll go to verse 10, all right? 
Oh, give thanks. Y'all can help me read it. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is, say that again, for he is, he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Aren't you glad of that? If it, if, if it wasn't, we'd be in trouble. Because I don't know about you, but I've messed up a lot of times after I got saved. Amen? Now look what it says in verse number 10. From verse 1 through 9, we deal with salvation. God is good in our salvation. But now we're going to see another part of this. God is also good in our sin. Watch what it says. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned, that means to, to, uh, uh, to, to look at and disregard and completely disdain. It's not only not do what he says, but not like to do what he says. Are y'all with me? They contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, now remember when you find the word therefore in the Bible, you read the verses before to find out what it's there for. You with me? In other words, they ceased to follow the Word of God. They disregarded the Word of God. They rejected the Word of God. So, therefore, this is what he did. This is what God did. He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord, and there what? In their trouble. You know, there's some of us, we don't never cry till we're in trouble. But in their trouble, he saved them out of their distresses. He Hallelujah, right there. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and he broke their bands in sunder. Oh! That's what that means. That means with enthusiasm with appreciation, with thanksgiving. Oh, that men would, listen, he said he, he, that they would just praise the Lord for his goodness. Now, he just talked about a whooping. He just talked about correction. He just talking about them being brought down. But watch what he says. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his what? His goodness. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings and your mercy. Lord, thank you so much. This is something I, I don't always thank you for, but I need to. I need to thank you for getting my attention. <clears throat> I need to thank you for uh, whooping me when I needed it. I need to thank you for coming into my life and seeing me in a, in a way that I shouldn't be in, seeing me with behavior that I shouldn't have and, and getting my attention. Lord, I, I want you to know that I, I appreciate and I love you and, and I thank you for being good to me, even in my sin. I pray today that you will help me convey the truth that is found in this chapter. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> The one thought that I want to leave you with or that I want you to leave here with is primarily God is good. God is good. The whole point of this chapter is so we will understand that God is good. When we can see it and when we can't, God is good. Hey, when we are not, he still is. Now, what we're going to talk about is not going to be pleasant. It's not going to, because nobody likes a whooping. And if you like a whooping, you're mentally deranged. <clears throat> or you didn't get one like I got them. Are y'all with me? I, you know, it's been said this way. A mother came to the preacher and said, said, listen, I, I can whip little Johnny, but it doesn't do any good. It doesn't do any good. He just gets mad. He, she said, that's the problem. When you whip Johnny, if he's mad when you're done, you didn't do it right. 
But if he's glad when you're done, you've done it right. How many of y'all got one of them kind? Listen, sin is devastating. Sin is destructive. Sin has messed this whole thing up that we live in, this whole world that we live in, society and culture that we live in. From the time that man sinned in the garden all the way till now, it has always brought death. It has always brought destruction. It has always brought devastation. Somebody say amen. The wages of sin is death. Wherever you find sin, you'll find death. It may not be today. And it may not be tomorrow, but it's coming. There is pleasure in sin for a season. I, 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 would be, I would be crazy to tell you that sin is not fun at the time and sin is not pleasurable at the time or it wouldn't be so tempting. I would be crazy to tell you that, oh, it's no fun. Why? Because it is. It is pleasurable for a season. But, honey, that season will run out. And when it is through, it always brings death. The devil won't tell you that. The devil won't show you the other side. He won't show you the other side of the billboard. On this side of the billboard, you will find young people having a good time, drinking an alcoholic beverage, having a great time partying up. But on the other side of the billboard, it's rusty and it's ripped apart and it's destroyed. Listen, listen, the devil won't never show you that. He won't never show you the car that's wrapped around the oak tree. He won't never show you the liver that's destroyed and the body that's laying in the hospital bed because their body has been destroyed by drugs and alcohol. The devil won't never show you that side of it. Sin is destructive. Sin is devastating. Listen, and so, so because, of, because of, the, of the effect that sin has, a good God can't leave you in it. A good God will do something about it. And let me, let me read a, a verse. If you have Hebrews, if y'all have Hebrews, if, if y'all got that on the notes there, Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 5. Hebrews 12 and verse number 5. Now here, here we see the, the, the writer is trying to help us understand that, that when God has to get our attention, he's still good. Are y'all with me? He says that our Father in heaven will deal with us like our fathers on earth did. Now, now, if you had a good parent, if you had a good parent, they corrected you. Now, I'm going to say that again. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what Dr. Phil says. I don't care what Dr. Spock said. I don't care what the parents' books say. If they loved you, they corrected you. We're living in a society today of people that raise their kids according to what the psychologist said and not the way the Bible said. And because of that, we have a generation that knows no respect. They do not respect authority. They don't understand what no means. And we got to live with them turkeys. If you had a good parent, they corrected you. Now watch, watch what he's saying. Watch what he's saying in Hebrews chapter number 12. He says, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, that, that refers to relationship. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Say that word with me. Nor faint when thou art. All right, that's the first stage of God's discipline. Rebuke. Rebuke. Some of you have children. Some of you have children that you can do like this right here. And they'll just. Now, some of you have others. <clears throat> Listen, I, I, I have a child that I can just give the look. Y'all know what I'm saying? And that's all. And I got another one that I can give that look till I fall over and pass out. But that one, I've got to get her attention. Are y'all with me? But it starts here. When thou art rebuked of him. A rebuke is that, hey, y'all know what I'm talking about. When you go to do something ignorant and the Holy Spirit says, hey, that's a rebuke. That's that, that's that voice. That's that vocal response that God gives us, okay? Now watch. The next verse. For whom the Lord... Well, that's hard to accept. It's hard to know that this is coming out of love. For whom the Lord loveth, he, that's another level 
If the rebuke don't get your attention, he goes to chastening. It's a more intense form of discipline. And scourges every... And by the way, that word scourges is the same word they use when they whoop Jesus with a cat of nine tails. Just saying. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Help me. Whom the Lord loveth, he and every son whom he receiveth. Now, now we'll look at the next verse. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. And, with, and for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? In other words, we're all going to be corrected if we do wrong. Verse 8. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's not a cuss word. Used in content, that means, or context, that means you're illegitimate. In other words, if you claim to be a born-again Christian and you can go out and do things that's against what the Bible teaches and there is no correction, there is no chastisement, if, let me put it bluntly, if God doesn't whip your britches, then you're not saved. You're not a son. You're not a child. You're, not, you're illegitimate. You may claim to be saved. You may go to church every Sunday. You may, you may read your Bible. But it, listen, if you can go out and live in sin and God not correct you, you're illegitimate. Why? Because the Bible says all are partakers of this chastisement. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now let's go back to the chapter. Keep that in mind and we'll come back to that. Let's go back to the chapter. Four things I want to share with you real quick. No, number one, and I'm, I'm going to do this fast, all right? Number one, when it comes to sin, <clears throat> I want you to see the condition, the condition that we find the one who has fell into sin. The Bible says in verse number 10, such as sit in darkness, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction, and iron. What does, what does sin do to us? Even uh, uh, before we're saved and even after we're saved. Listen, sin causes us to be blind and to be bound. It is amazing to me that, that we can, not, not just lost people. You know, a lot of Christians, they get beside themselves by how lost people act. But lost people are lost people. They're, they're supposed to act like lost people act. Uh, they're blind. The Bible says the God of this world hath blinded their minds lest they see and understand and comprehend the glorious gospel. Why do they do what they do? They're blind. They can't see. Listen, that's not the issue. The issue is when saved people act that way. And you know what happens? I've seen it over and over and over again. I see people that get out in sin. I see people that get away from God. I see people that backslide on God. And listen, you can tell them till you're blue in the face, but they just can't see it. Because sin will blind you. Sin will blind you to truth. Sin will blind you to the love of God. Sin will blind you to the fellowship of the believer. Sin will keep you in darkness. Somebody say amen. amen. Sin will not only blind you, but sin will bind you. Amen. It will keep you in bondage. Listen, people talk about free love and free drugs and, and all this kind of stuff. It's amazing that the 60s generation, they wanted, they wanted everything. Let's, let's just do whatever we want to do. No, no boundaries, no hindrance whatsoever. Hey, just, have, just love whoever you're with and do whatever you want. And the number one song of that generation was, I can't get no satisfaction. Isn't that amazing? God turns them loose and says, hey, you're, you think you're free. Just do all this. And they found out that they were bound in affliction. They were bound and they were addicted. It's amazing. Take the drugs and then it, the drug takes you. Bound. Look what the Bible says. It says Proverbs 5.22. His own iniquities. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself. And he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. John 8.34. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant or the slave of sin. Are y'all with me? What, what does he say? Look what it, look what it says. I, I told you, I, we're not going to do a whole lot of shouting at this point, but it'll get better at the end. So just bear, in my, bear with me. Say amen. Being bound in, what's that word? Verse number 10. Verse number 10. 
such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction. Affliction. Now watch what, let, let's, look at, let's look at King David. And by the way, the Bible says King David was a man after God's own heart. But guess what? He fell into sin. He sinned with Bathsheba, and, and because of that, he not only sinned with Bathsheba, he tried to hide it. He tried to cover it up. Now watch what he says. Watch what he says in Psalm 32. He said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Uh, blessed is the man under whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Watch it. Now this was, that's what he's saying after forgiveness. Now watch what he said happened before forgiveness, when he tried to hide it. He said, When I kept silence... When I kept silence, when I tried to hide my sin, when I tried to ignore my sin, he said, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Listen, David is saying, the whole time, the whole time that I stayed outside of the will of God, that I stayed in my sin condition, that I tried to hide my disobedience and my sin. The whole time, God's hand was heavy upon me. The whole time, he said, my bones waxed old. The whole time, God was dealing with him. And you know what? Today, in the hour that we live in, a saved man can get outside of God's will. A saved man can fall into sin. And the longer that he hides it, the worse it's going to be on him. He's going to be in affliction the whole time. He's going to suffer the whole time. He's going to be outside of the provision of God the whole time. But thank God, we don't have to stay there. Well, I don't want to get right. Well, I'm going to tell you this. You're going to be miserable till you do. You're going to be miserable till you do because sin will bind you. Sin will blind you. Sin will put you in a condition where you can't even really see where you're at. You can't even really see how bad it really is till you hit the hog pen. And that's the story of the prodigal we'll get to in a minute. Can y'all see today the condition of sin? Will you say amen right there? Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Sin is terrible. Sin is devastating. I'm telling you, I've seen it over and over and over again. Even in my own life. Listen, as a little kid, I heard, I heard the preacher say this, and I believe it. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay. And make you pay more than you want to pay. Can't tell you how many times I've sat with people and said, man, I never dreamed I'd end up right here. I never dreamed it would go this far. I never dreamed I'd end up doing what I've done. Somebody say amen. Sin is devastating. We see the condition. But then number two, write this down, and we'll hurry from here. Number two, I want you to see the cause. The cause. Look what it says. He was in bondage and in the affliction of iron. Why? Why? Verse 11. Because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. They disregarded the word of God. Isn't it amazing? I, I, I've talked with people over and over and over again. I see them uptown and say, oh, preacher, preacher, I need to get back in church. That's the, that's, the, that's the phrase. That's the comment. Oh, I need to get back in church. I need to get back in church. And, and, and by, if you want to translate that, what they're saying is I need to get right with God. And said, oh, it was going so good. I'm talking about the same people that have come up to me and said, let me tell you what God's done in my life. Oh, I was in such and such a place, and I was in such and such a bad way, and boy, I got in church, and God touched me, and God changed me, and God helped me, and he's been blessing me, preacher. I just want you to know that. And I'm saying, man, that's wonderful. Little time goes by. Little time goes by, and they do just like everybody else in the children of Israel. They forget God. They get caught up with their own lives. They get caught up with all kinds of things. And they drift away. And they get out. And guess what? All the hell God brought them out of comes right back into their life. And I see them distressed. And I see them, listen, frustrated. 
And I see the toll. Listen, sin will cause a sin will cause a 40-year-old man to look like an 80-year-old man. And they will come back and they will say, Oh, and, and, I, and I want to say, what do you think was going to happen? I mean, really? What did you think was going to happen? If you, will, if you will buy a brand new car, you'll look in that glove box and it's got an owner's manual. And if it's a gas, it'll say put gas in the car. If it's a diesel, it'll say put diesel in a car. But if you go and put water in the gas tank and then say, I don't know why this is going on. Really? I don't know why my car won't crank. See, we're all getting quiet. Because we've gotten foolish on God and we know what God says. This is the owner's manual. This is the owner's manual. Why do we think that life is going to work? Why do we think things are going to go good in our life if we go against the owner's manual? The creator of this world, the creator of our life, the creator of the human body, he knows what's good and what's best for us. So he wrote it down so we would know. If you live contrary to this book, ladies and gentlemen, I promise you, I assure you, I guarantee you, you're going to end up in bondage. The Bible says they were in bondage because they disregarded the word of God. Amen. I don't need to say any more there, do I? Well, do I? Now, I can. I got stuff I can say. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law doth he meditate day and night. Oh, he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. Somebody say amen. Hey, I got something to say. I don't need to move to number three. Y'all want me to say some more? The Word of God is so important to our life. The Word of God is so important to our success. The Word of God is so important to our prosperity. Joshua said, and listen, Joshua chapter number 1, God says, you're going to go into this land, and I'm going to go before you. And you have to be strong and very courageous. Strong to do what? Don't turn from the law to the left or to the right. You focus on it. You study it. You read it. You believe it. You practice it. And if you practice it, oh, then thou shalt find good success. Are you all with me? Why do you think we teach it? Why do you think we read it? Why do you think we preach it? Why do you think we sing it? Why do you think we start with them babies in that nursery? We don't babysit no child. I don't care how young they are. They're getting a Bible lesson as we speak. Why? Because our prosperity is going to be found in this book. And let me tell you, our downfall is going to be found in disregarding this book. Church, say amen. Number three. The very next verse, we found out that when we fall off into sin, it's, it's bondage, it's darkness. But then the cause is because we disregarded the word. It's simple. We did what the Bible says not to do, or we didn't do what the Bible says to do. Look at the next verse. This is just verse by verse. Look at the next verse. Therefore, say that word with me. Say it again. Say it again. What that means is, if you ever find yourself outside of that book, God's coming. Watch what it says. I'm, I'm just reading what it says. Therefore, because of that, he says, therefore, he, this is God, he brought down their heart with labor and fell down. They fell down and there was none to help. We see in verse 10 there is a condition. In verse 11 there is a cause. In verse 12 there is correction. You want to write that down. There is correction. Now, we can go back to the Hebrews, the verse in Hebrews that we read. That whom the Lord loveth, he, he chasteneth. 
He's going to come. He's going to come. A lot, of the, a lot of the charismatic persuasion churches, and, and not just charismatic churches, but people that believe you can lose your salvation, they get sideways with, with Baptists that believe the Bible and believe in eternal security. They get sideways with people that believe that once saved, always saved. And this is, what, this is the, the thing they always say. They say, well, you just believe you can get saved and just do whatever you want and everything's fine. No, I don't believe that. I've never said that. I don't believe that at all. Well, what do you believe? I believe you get saved and you get out and sin, God's going to beat the devil out of you. You say, well, so-and-so's over here and he goes to church and claims to be saved and nothing ever happens. He's out there drinking, running around, carrying on and, and as a whoremonger and everything else and nothing happens to him. Well, you know what the Bible says? He's a bastard. He's illegitimate. He doesn't belong to God. If you don't belong to God, God's not going to whoop you. Now, my father had no problem snatching me up or snatching my brother Joe up or snatching my sister Mindy up. Not as much as me and my brother say amen. But he didn't go through the neighborhood and just grab a child off the street. Now, I've heard there was a day when that did happen, but not in the day I lived in. Amen. He corrected me because I was his child. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you this under the authority of the word of God. If you are a true born-again believer and you walk outside of what that book says, God is coming. He is coming. He is not going to leave you in that situation. He's not going to let you get by with foolishness. Listen, he believes in chastening. Somebody say amen. It starts with a rebuke. Then it goes to chastening. Then it goes to scourging. Every time, and and by the way, let me teach you something about discipline. God is not like some of us. God is not like some of us. Some of us think that that when we get disciplined, and and, and I I think it's the case because I do believe in child abuse. I believe there are are real cases of child abuse where people didn't didn't spank right or they didn't correct right, and I don't believe in child abuse. I'm I'm 1,000% against child abuse. I think anybody that abuses a child, they need to be tied to a stump, and the same thing happened to them. That's not politically correct, but I said it, and I'll sign it. It's recorded. Say amen. But I do believe in correction. I do believe that because the Bible teaches that, and God does too. And he will come. He will chasten. He will get our attention. He will do whatever is necessary. Y'all hear me? He will do whatever is necessary to get our attention. If the reproof, if, if the voice command, if the Holy Spirit convicting our heart, if that works, so be it. The discipline's over. But if that don't work, we go to the chastening. If that doesn't work, we go to the scourging. And by the way, it goes past that. Do you know the Bible teaches, according to uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians, that God will take you out of this world? I believe, I believe a Christian can die early. And I believe I have examples of that. But that's a whole other message. My point being, God will do whatever it takes. Are y'all with me? Corrections coming. Look what he says. He brought them down. Down. What's the purpose of correction? I believe one is humility. Humility. Well, I don't have time. Boy, I want to go into this. Why do we get foolish on God? Why do we get foolish on God? Pride and arrogance. Most real humble people don't get out and sin because they know how bad they need God. And what does correction do? It humbles us. He brought, now watch this, watch what God's aiming with correction. God, watch what God is aiming at with correction. He brought down their what? Say it with me. He brought down their... See, God's not correcting you because he's mad at you. God is correcting you because he loves you. He is after your... Why do you think he wants you to tithe? Oh, here we go. We're talking about whoopings, and you had to get on tithing. For where a man's treasure is, there will his... You know what the number one command given to us? The number one responsibility, the number one rule, the number one command. He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. God's after a heart. 
You know, when a child will be in obedience, when you have their heart, their heart. Correction. Then the conclusion. Let's hurry because we're so enjoying this. He brought their heart down. Ladies and gentlemen, he got Jonah's attention, didn't he? He got the prodigal son's attention, didn't he? He got, listen, he got the apostle Peter's attention, didn't he? He got David's attention, didn't he? Now watch what happens. Watch what happens. This is so good. Oh, how is he good with all that? Watch what it says. Verse 15, or excuse me, verse 13. Verse 13. Are you there? Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and he brake their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Write this down, number, number four, and, and let me just say this and we'll, we'll pray. I want you to see the conclusion. The conclusion of this whole deal. <clears throat> when God had to bring them down, when God had to get their attention, when God had to deal with their sin, the Bible says they cried unto the Lord. Preacher, I'm going through a terrible, terrible time. I've gotten away from God. What do I do? Cry out to Him. And this is not a cry of, oh, me. This is a cry of repentance. It's a cry of repentance. What did David do when he was confronted by Nathan? He said, it's me. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Oh, against thee and thee only have I sinned, O God. He called out unto God. Listen, everybody wants to talk about Saul, King Saul. He was crazy. He's crazy. But you know what? He didn't, he didn't do near what David did. David committed adultery and then committed murder to hide his sin. Are y'all with me? But see, the difference between Saul and David is this. David knew how to get right with God. And when David was challenged and he was confronted with his sin, he cried out to God and said, Oh, God, oh, God. Are y'all with me? Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Some of y'all need to cry out to God today. A cry of repentance. I want you to turn with me to Jonah chapter number 2, and we'll finish this up right here. Jonah chapter number 2. Y'all know the story of Jonah. I don't have to explain that, don't you? Jonah is is the one that ran from God, and God prepared a fish. God prepared a fish to swallow him. Now, if you're still hung up on that, I'm going to have to be like that little child that came from Sunday school that got on the bus to go home. She was sitting reading that story, sitting reading that story about the Red Sea when, that, when the children of Israel came across the Red Sea and, and, and Pharaoh and his army came across the Red Sea and God let the Red Sea come back in and drowned them all, destroyed the whole army. Well, she was reading that story and the atheist was sitting beside her, little old young girl. And the atheist said, what are you reading? I'm reading my Bible. I'm reading the story of Pharaoh in the Red Sea. She says, well, he, he snickered a little bit, said, well, you're such a foolish child. Don't you understand? Don't you understand that scientists have proved that where they come across, there was only eight inches of water? And she looked down at her story, and she said, "Woo! hey, man, thank the Lord. She said, what are you doing? Didn't you just hear what I said? Why are you shouting? Because God killed all of Pharaoh's army in eight inches of water. Somebody say man. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. But I tell you this, there was a day on this earth that a man was thrown overboard and he was floating in the water and a big old fish out the ocean came and swallowed him whole and he stayed alive and one day he spit him up and he ran all the way to Nineveh. That happened. So whatever you want to believe is your business, but it happened. Say amen. I can't explain how I can go hit that number one button on there and all these lights go out. I don't know how that works, but I'm not going to sit in the dark. 
I'm going to just trust it. Say amen. Now here's what happened. Jonah was called to go to Nineveh. Jonah was called to go to Nineveh. Now don't get all sideways with Jonah because I'm telling you, I, it would be like you going to start a church in Isis, Syria. Matter of fact, it's the same group of people. So wouldn't you want to get on the, a ship and go somewhere else? Well, y'all know what happens. Jonah's on that ship. He's running from God. He's disobedient to God. And a storm comes up. A storm comes up. And they go to praying. And he's sleeping. Isn't it amazing that we can be in our sin and be asleep and our sin affect everybody around us? And they come and woke him up. And said, what are you doing, man? You need to get up. You need to wake up. We're in a bad way. You need to pray. He said, ain't no need doing all that. He said, I'm the problem. And by the way, when we're in sin, we know we're the problem. Just throw me overboard. And boy, they tried and they tried to keep having to do that. But they finally threw him overboard. And y'all know what happened to the storm? You know what happened to your, your sinful storm when you repent? It'll, it'll go away. Because God's purpose of discipline is to get your attention, not that he's mad at you. And by the way, this is where I'm going to show you God is good. He prepared a fish to swallow him. Now, I don't know if you've been around fish or not, but they stink. Y'all with me? Can you imagine being in that stomach and those stomach acids and all that junk? Come on now. Come on. Hey, it's, it's legitimate. It's reality. Can you imagine how horrible that experience was? But guess what? If God hadn't have sent the fish, he would have drowned in the ocean. What does that mean? Even when God has to get our attention, he's still good. <laughs> y'all ain't getting it. Y'all would be running the aisles right now. We can't see the goodness of God when we're in that belly. Watch. Jonah chapter 2. I gave the verses in the outline, but I just want to read the whole chapter. Will y'all give me just a minute to do that? We're almost done. Because I want you to get the, get the whole, just get it. The Bible says in verse 17, <clears throat> Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then, what's that word? Then. Ladies and gentlemen, some of us won't cry out to him until he gets our attention. Y'all with me? Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I, what's that word? I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. Doesn't this all sound like Psalm 107? I cried because of the affliction and he heard me. Say amen. Now watch. Out of the belly of hell cried I. Do you know where you're going to feel like you are when you're out of, out of the will of God and you're saved? You're going to feel like you're in the belly of hell. He said, out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Thou hadst cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, there's that word again, then. I didn't do it when I was running from him. I didn't do it when I was on my own. I didn't do it when I thought I was in control. I didn't do it when I was, I was thinking I was getting away with it. But when he got my attention, then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about even to the soul. The death closed me round about and the weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. Can you imagine that, that fish going to the depths of the sea? The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. Aren't you glad that even in our sin, even in the midst of our correction, we can remember that the Lord is good? My prayer came into thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the vows of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, 
and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. Yeah! When you call out, now he's in the midst of the sea. He's in the ocean. But the moment that you cry out unto God, God brings you to dry land. When you cry out to Him, He forgives you. When you cry out to Him, He restores you. When you cry out to Him, He brings you back to where you was before. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Amen. Listen, how about the prodigal son? How about the prodigal son? Y'all know, y'all know the story. How many of y'all know the story? How many of y'all don't know the story? He leaves home. He thought he knew better. He thought he had the tiger by the tail. The Bible says he went out and he wasted his substance on riotous living. Wine, women, and song. He lived it up. He lived it up. And the Bible says not long. Now remember, there's pleasure in sin for a season. But oh, when that season's over. He was left with nothing. And here is this little Jewish boy standing in a hog pen, slopping the hogs. And the Bible says he got so hungry that he would eat the the slop that the hogs were eating. One of the coolest verses in the Bible. But when he came to himself, he realized, what am I doing here? I wonder how many Christians in this room today that's away from God right now, and you've been away from a while, that you need to come to yourself. And you need to realize, what am I doing here? You say, why did he say that? Because he happened to remember that at the Father's house, there was bread enough and to spare. I mean, there wasn't just bread. There was bread left over. Isn't it? Oh, 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 thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When he was at the father's house in the beginning, he didn't think it was all that great. He didn't think it was all that good. He thought he was being persecuted because he didn't get his way. He wanted freedom. He wanted liberty. He wanted to do his own thing. But when God got through with him, when he got a, hallelujah, when he got a dose of the hog pen, his perception of the father's house changed dramatically. Man, that's good. You may not appreciate what you have right now. You may not appreciate the forgiveness of God right now. You may not appreciate the mercy of God right now. But if you ever find yourself in knee deep in the hog pen, you'll remember that there's forgiveness and mercy and love at the Father's house. Oh, what do I need to do? You need to do what he did. You need to drop the pail, jump the rail, and hit the trail. You need to get back to where God is. You need to find a place in this altar and say, Oh, God, I'm sorry I ever left you. Oh, God, I'm sorry I ever disobeyed you. Oh, God, I'm sorry I ever didn't believe you. Thank God for your mercy, and God will take your sin, and he'll wash it away. He'll forgive you just like you never sinned. Somebody ought to shout and say, God is good this morning. God is good. He's not going to leave you there. He's not going to leave you in your sin. Why? He loves you too much. He can't leave you in the hog pen. He's got to bring you back. He's got to bring you back to where there is bread enough to spare. He's got to bring you back to where there is goodness and provision. Somebody say amen. I said I wasn't going to do this. I can't help it. When it gets good to you, it just gets good to you. Amen. God is a forgiving God. I tell you what, in the midst of that whooping, it's hard to see that. There's some people in here right now at this moment, you're so mad at God because stuff has happened in your life where he's tried to get your attention. What do you do, preacher? Just come to him. What did Jonah say? You're forsaking your own mercy. The longer you stay away from God, you're just just forsaking your own mercy. 
If you don't believe God's good by now, I can't tell you nothing else. Even when we're being corrected, God is good. God is good. Can you give Him praise and glory and honor? Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your mercy. Thank you so much for, Lord, I hate to say this, but thank you for the hog pen. Lord, if it wasn't for the hog pen, I'd have never realized what I had back at the house. Lord, thank you for those times that you had to, you had to cause pain. Thank you for those times that you had to chasten us, to draw us back to you. Oh, God, I'm praying for that one that's sitting in the pew right now. Lord, they're hurting. They're confused. And all they need to do is come. Oh, they need to come back home. They need to come back home. They've been away long enough. They've gone far enough. Lord, they need to come to the altar and say, God, I'm coming home. Lord, I'm coming home. I'm not going to stay in this condition. I'm not going to stay in this place. I need forgiveness. Lord, let them come right now. I don't even wait till we start singing. Just come. Come to this altar. Give the Lord your life. Give the Lord. Say, oh, God, the Bible says that if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is he's faithful even when we're not. God, touch every soul. Lord, bless those and forgive those that you've had to deal with. But Lord, I pray right now that you'll let us all, everyone from wall to wall, front to back, that we'll appreciate you in every situation. That we can stand and be thankful that you are good. That you are good. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet.